Palm Highland. Open up Tom and me, Clayton Heller. Tom. Please open the door. Oh, for God's sake, Tom, open up, please. It's after me. Tom is going to get me. God in heaven, Tom. Oh, Tom we can't just sit here. We have to, Ellie. It has nothing to do with us. What kind of a Christian are you, for God's sakes? You gotta help me, Harley. Tom. Mama. Say to the boy. Why doesn't Daddy let the man in? Get away from my door. Get away from me and my family. Tom, please. You gotta help me, Tom. It's coming. I didn't kill that girl. I don't know nothing about that, and I don't want to. I said I did, Tom, but I didn't. No, I'm sorry, I am. But I can't risk my family for you, Clayton. Now, I got my shotgun here. Get away. Get away before I have to use it. Happy Halloween! Welcome to the final installment of the 2021 Halloween Horrorthon and what's expected to be a rock-solid episode of the Film Effect Podcast, where we take all things horror to the full effect. I'm Ed, and tonight I'm joined by frequent guest Corey, returning to get back in on the fun. Happy Halloween, Film Effectors! And if you happen to be a fellow cinephile like us, or just a casual fan of film in general, then come as you are. Every week we do deep dives and touch lives, focusing on a particular film each episode in an effort to give it that full Film Effect treatment. But before we stick Pumpkinhead on our worst enemies, I want to let you guys know that our ever-growing collection of previous episodes can be found on our website at podpage.com slash the-film-effect-podcast, as well as all major platforms direct link in the episode notes. And with the mention of platforms, you can help us out a great deal by using Apple Podcasts to leave us an honest rating and review when the show is over, because it helps us in so many ways, as well as always, we genuinely love hearing from you guys as well. All right, Corey, can you let the people of the world know where we can be found on both Facebook and Instagram? Sure, sure. The Film Effect Podcast. Right on. And how about the great network known as Twitter? What's the handle for the curious parties? At Film Effect Pod. All right. And if you would be so kind, please direct the listeners to the show's email address. The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. All right. I want to talk football.
<laughs> All right. How about them Chiefs? God <laughs> Dude, damn. What happened? It was uh, it was a, a bl- I don't remember the score, but it was pretty bad from what I remember. Twenty-seven to three. They could <laughs> not even score a touchdown. Um, I don't know. It was so bad that Mahomes got that concussion scare, but then he passed the protocol. But instead, they kept Ch- Chad Henney out there. Um, uh, apparently, just. I mean, yeah, they were just getting their ass kicked, and it was so late in the game that why put Mahomes back in there? He's worked miracles, but not like that. You don't come back from a, a three-point deficit with only three minutes left. No. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Not even Tom Brady can do that feat. So, um, yeah, it's just I don't get it. I'm just kind of getting sick of every week. Them. It's, it starts with Mahomes. He needs to start with the turnovers. He's got like he's tied with Trevor Lawrence right now with the most interceptions. I think the last two games, he's had at least two interceptions. I know a couple of them were Tyreek Hill's fault because he didn't catch the ball and it bounced out of his hands. But still, um, fumbles are another thing. I know he fumbled a couple times uh, lately. Uh, but in every game, he's always out there on the microphone talking to the audio, talking to the to reporters and all, and he's just saying the same thing. Like, if it starts with me, it starts with me. I got to do better. I got to do this better and do, do this more and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, next week comes, exact same thing. I'm not understanding it. I don't understand it. But look, the way I'm looking at it, we've already got three wins. That's all. That's a hell of a lot better than the two and fourteen seasons that I survived with this team. Yeah. So it could be a lot worse than it is. I know. I'm. I'm kind of spoiled as a fan because the last like five years or so, I'm just used to this team, you know, doing so many things and being so good. But nah, this season we, we've been exposed and we suck. So it's just back to the drawing board, and hopefully they stick to something, they find something, and stick to it. Because whatever plan they're doing now, it ain't working. You can only, you know, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, the defenses are on to us. So they've got them two double covered, you know. So it's like, who else are you going to throw it to? Yeah, and the running backs, uh, I forget his name, but the main running back. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That kid sucks. (laughs) That... I don't understand what um, Andy Reid sees in him, and I don't want to sound like an asshole. I know that that was an asshole statement, but it's the truth. And it's like, after last season, okay, you start him off again this season. Maybe it was just a fluke, and he's, he's a lot better. You know, the offseason did him well. No. He comes back. He can't break tackles. They're not giving him the ball as much because it's Mahomes. And like I said, when he gets the ball, he's not doing much with it. He's like... I think he was averaging like 2.5 yards a carry, and that's not good. Well, they're not far out in the division, are they? Oh, they're we're, we're two games behind. Oh, I mean, okay. You got to remember, we got the Chargers in our division, who are like amazing. Oh, that's right. I forgot the Chargers are in there. Yeah. Unless when they come to Baltimore for some reason, they can't do shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, we got the Raiders, who are pretty good. Well, they were good until that Gruden shit came out. Then they started sucking. I think that kind of destroyed their season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to come back from something like that. And then we got Denver, who was undefeated for like the first four games because they beat teams like the Jets and the Giants and the Jaguars. Oh, yeah. You know, but then when they started playing decent teams, they were being exposed to getting their asses kicked. So I'm not too worried about Denver. I know we got two games to play against them still coming up. But uh, Monday night game for us against the Giants. So looking forward to that. Uh, and yeah, with the Chiefs, I'm also, you know, Fantasy woes, of course. I've, I've been playing three fantasy leagues this year. Uh, one of them, I started um, 
uh, what is what the hell is his name? Uh, uh, something Miles Scantlin, the, the one of the wide receivers for the the Packers one Thursday night. He was on IR, but he was supposed to be coming off of IR and returning because all their wide receivers had COVID. Oh jeez! But I put him in my lineup. I got him off the waiver. Put him in my lineup one Thursday morning. Went to work. Totally forgot there was a Thursday night game like always. Every week it happens. So I didn't really pay attention to my lineup. I should have. He was not activated from the IR. Oh, so no. Big fat zero. And the guy I'm playing this week, is he's defeated. He's 0-7. So it's not good for me. I think I've already lost this. Plus I had uh, DeAndre Hopkins and he left the game early. He only gave me eight points. So yeah. But I'm doing well in the other two leagues. Uh and so, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, before we change the topic, though, do you have honest Super Bowl predictions you want to give? I kind of have an idea of who I, my prediction is, or my predictions, what the game is going to be. But yeah, who, I, who do you think is going to be playing in Super Bowl, what is it, 55 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it might be, you know, it might sound like uh, Homer, like, since I'm a Tom Brady fan, like we mentioned before, but... I really don't see anybody else beat. I mean, maybe Green Bay, but I, I think Tampa Bay is going to make it on the NFC side. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, you know, I, I don't know. They're just looking really good this year. Tom Brady's looking like 10 years younger than he is. Like 44 I mean, years old. I mean, it's just insane. Like, He's I don't know. the top 10 best fucking quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, like, the fuck he's still doing it. Like, I remember when Vinny Testaverde was, like, around that mm-hmm. age playing, and, like, he could barely move at that point. Like, yeah. and then you got Brady out there throwing, still throwing, like, four touchdowns a game, like, regularly. It's just insane. Uh, but yeah, I see them coming out of the NFC side, and I think the Bills. I think the Bills are for real uh, this year. I think they've been looking really good. I think, um, yeah, they have it. All, I think their defense is looking great. I think uh, the offense has been clicking. I think now that Brady's out of New England, I think that kind of takes a big roadblock from. Not that New England's terrible this year, but I think they have an easy road in their division because uh, they have the Jets in Miami. Um, and then in the playoffs, I mean, the Ravens have been kind of schizophrenic. Playoffs? Uh, playoffs? Yeah, yeah, playoffs. The Ravens have been um, looking good at certain points and then not so great at other points. Cincinnati's been looking pretty good, but I think the Bills have had a couple years to figure out. I think they're all around the best team in the AFC. So I think those two teams, and then I think it's uh, up for grabs as far as who would actually win. But, you know, of course I want to go with my boy Tom Brady for another championship but you know i wouldn't be upset if the bills won tom's got enough like <laughs> even as a uh, fan of uh tom brady he's got enough so it it'd be kind of cool if the bills finally won one in all honesty okay i think the nfc's figured out yes i uh, my prediction is definitely not the bills the bucks uh, my prediction is definitely on the bucks leading the nfc side of the super bowl this year because they've already have an impressive record so far and the rest of their schedule is so easy. They're playing like teams like the Jets and like the Giants and the Jack. They're playing like not good teams and, and shit the rest of the season. Um, the only good team they're playing, they have a game against the Bills uh, coming up. Other than that, nothing. Nothing that's worth, you know, even mentioning. Um, they might even have a game against the Seahawks right now. who has got Geno Smith as their quarterback. Yeah, without um, Russell Wilson, yeah, they're not a contender anymore. No, no, not at all. But, uh, so the Bucks definitely on the NFC side. Um, 
here's kind of a hot take for the for the AFC side. I'm gonna roll with the Bengals. Yeah, they're a solid. I'm, pick. I'm rolling with the really Bengals. Good. I really am. Yeah, I want I want to say Buffalo, but there's something about that Bengals team that you know Joe Mixon's good. Not Joe. Yo, Joe Mixon's good, but uh, Joe Morrow, Joe Burrow. I'm sorry, Burrow, Joe yeah. Burrow is like, yeah, he's he's the real deal. Um, and of course, you know, you got T. Higgins, he's a fantastic receiver on that team. I just think overall, um, that, that they they have a solid team. I mean, look what they did to Baltimore last week, yeah. Um, and yeah, so you know, the homer me wants to say, you know, Kansas City's gonna make a comeback, and they're gonna win the rest of the season now, and they're gonna come back and kill them all in the, in the, in the playoffs. Well, I would love to believe that's gonna happen. The way they've been playing the last few weeks, I know, I know, no, 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 no. Unless something happens overnight and the miracle happens, and then I, I don't know. But for right now, my my money's on uh, the Bengals and the Bucks for the Super Bowl this year. So there's our picks, gang. Let's see how they uh, stand out in January. The uh, Criterion sale started yesterday. Oh uh, yeah, I I saw uh, the other day they had a flash sale, but that was only for like a day. Is this one on for more than a day? This is until the end of November. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is a their half off sale. So yeah, there's a couple I've been waiting on Get to uh, pick up. Yeah. Well, Uncut Gems comes out in November. That'll be part of the sale when it comes out. You can actually pre-order right now from the site for twenty five bucks in four K. Um, I I think before this wedding I'm going to later on I'm probably going to make an appearance at the Barnes and Noble and pick up a couple movies just because I really want to get FIFA back in my collection and I also want to get um Boyhood in my collection again because huh. uh, I, I love them two movies and uh, yeah I got the Punch Drunk Love back so I want to get Boyhood and uh, what else did I say um Boyhood and Thief. Thief, thank you. Thief. I want yeah, to get them back. Thief is a good one. Um, I've been Thief wa- is so good. Yeah, I've been wanting to pick up um, Blue Velvet. That's one. Um, it's a good one. David Lynch film. Yeah. Uh, I not too long ago I, I realized I haven't seen it in a while and I had I've had the I've had my eyes on that Criterion so I'll pick that up if it's, it's half it's, off. It's it's a good one. That yeah. and I also recommend Repo Man. Yeah, and then uh, the other one uh, that I've been meaning to pick up uh, is Do the Right Thing. That's just one that I, I thought I honestly had until recently. I didn't okay. realize Okay, I'm not going to... I used to have the criterion for that. I actually had to part with it last year, unfortunately. But I have it in 4K, and they're using the same transfer. So I would get it. I would rebuy um, the criterion for... I'm in a similar boat with Parasite. I would re- I would rebuy the criterion... For the features, but as far as picture quality, I mean that 4K transfer is just it's it's untouchable. I know the Criterion transfer is rock solid. Like I said, they use the same um, negative that they did for uh, the, the Universal did for the 4K. Um, they use the right color palette this time because I think for some reason Universal when they put the the blue the 20th the 20th anniversary Blu-ray back in 09. They got rid of that orange summertime heat color palette, and like they they made it like more natural, more of like just not so orange, you know, huh. which is bullshit because that's that's what Spike Lee was intending on show showcasing because yeah, it's right. it's it takes place a lot of the hot summer day in, in New York, uh, you know that's that's what the movie's about, and so you take away that palette, you know, you're, you're doing you're taking away one of the stars essentially. 
So I'm glad they got that restored for the 4K transfer. And uh, yeah, you're right. For, uh, Do the Right Thing is definitely a, a great title. Um, and like I said, I'm in the same boat with Parasite because I got the 4K Parasite. So how much, you know, I, I'd only get it for the features. So I'm still happy I got Irishman a couple weeks ago from Amazon for only 15 bucks, brand new. That oh, was yeah. that was cool. It was on sale for like 18 and then it had that random coupon for $3.50 off that it's like, click this to take this much off. I'm like, don't mind if I do. Yeah, who doesn't click it? Who's like, nah, I, know, nah, exactly. I don't want that three bucks. Exactly. I don't want that. It's, it's set me up for something. Yeah. So. All right. Let's get the shout outs. Shout out to his family. All right. Shout out to best film ever. Your next favorite movie, the movie loot, crazy train radio, film floggers, cinema recall, and the effing nerds. Nice, short, and sweet. Support each show by giving them a follow on Twitter and then a listen for the downloads. Uh, we actually have a new region this week. We have new listeners in Israel of all countries. So Israel, thank you for your ears. And uh, as always, welcome to the party, pal. It's Halloween. <laughs> Let's talk about Halloween. Not the movie, but just the holiday, because I know it's, it's a favorite of ours, and tomorrow's the day. The, the, the day this episode drops is... That day, if you're listening, it's Halloween. Yeah, I, I love you. Got you know, you got little Thomas. So yeah, it's been fun. You get the trick or treat. My 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 uh, my child's 13, going on 14, and she's out doing things with her friends. So yeah, I know. I I I'm, feel like I still. I don't know. Did we still trick or treat when we were that old? I feel like mm, we still did, kind of. Like, I did. Maybe it's more cynical nowadays where kids are. I remember a the faster. last. I remember my last year trick or treating. I was 15. Yeah, I, remember I, that. I think we were around that. I, I I think I remember the last year. It was like me, uh, the Metzgers. I think maybe Mike Dakery. I don't know. It was like us, the neighborhood kids. Oh, I walked. take that back. I was sixteen because that was the year I stopped. That was my last year. That was in two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Maybe because we the went same year because yeah. we went over to see like a girl Andy wanted to see or yes. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't know if nips. you were there. No me nips. Yeah. Well, I wasn't gonna name. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I am. I'm dropping that name. <laughs> People are like, "What the fuck did you just say?" Yeah, no me nips. There's a. It's an inside joke, and I'm not getting into it. Um. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, Halloween. Really I. I. Yeah. We sort of, but did, but didn't. I just. I still love it. It's my favorite holiday by far. I love oh, that yeah. feeling. I wake up tomorrow, and even though I don't have gifts under a tree. I just get that giddy feeling like it's Halloween, time to throw on some horror movies, you know, Yeah. play a fucking Monster Mash record, um, you know, around five, six o'clock when the sun's starting to set, you get you know, all the kids come around and, you know, I, I enjoy sitting out front for a couple hours and giving out candy. Oh yeah, it's This so year I actually have a costume that I'm actually excited about because I'm, I'm Sam, I bought it, I wore it for uh, camping uh, last weekend. And I'm going to be wearing it again tomorrow night. So, yeah, I'm happy about that. And um, uh, it's not supposed to rain. You know, we got good weather on our hands. So, it's, you know, it's expected to be a pretty god, uh, pretty good goddamn holiday this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, my favorite uh, before I had my son was uh, always handing out candy. 
Uh, and then, like, right as the end, when the trick-or-treaters are starting to slow down, every year I always put on Halloween, the original. Yeah. Halloween. Yeah, well, I actually, that's my my, my, rec- my recommend coming up. So let's just get to it. Creepy recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? All right, so it's Halloween, gang. So if you're not watching Carpenter's Halloween from 1978 or Michael Doherty's Trick-or-Treat from 2007, then... My friends, you are doing Halloween all wrong. (laughs) Yes. When I get back inside, Halloween goes on and then trick or treat. Dad order every year. Don't, you know, you can't stop me. It's happening again tomorrow night. You know, I'm going to come in. I'm going to throw in that 4K Halloween. Take that out when it's over after an hour and a half. And I'm going to pop in that trick or treat. And then boom, my Halloween is complete. That's my game plan for tomorrow night. Unless my daughter has other plans since she's staying with me. Um, but yeah, it's expected, like I said, to be a really fun holiday. So again, gang, if you're listening to this, the episode, the, I'm sorry, if you're listening to this the day the episode drops, then happy Halloween and hopefully yours turns out as good as ours is expected to. What about you? Creepy recommend? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, I always watch um, Halloween um, as the trick-or-treaters die off. Um, but another one that I've recently watched, and I'm by no means saying it's a classic, but, um, uh, recently, like, uh, I was hanging out with, uh, my younger niece and nephew, and I think it's actually a fairly decent Halloween movie. It's, uh, scary movies, um, to tell in the, or, ah, I'm sorry, scary, scary stories, stories to tell, to tell in, the in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, that movie took me by surprise. Yeah. Cause that's, that was one that came out a couple years ago. I actually remember going to see... Once upon a time in Hollywood, and my daughter and her friend went into the theater next to it to see that movie. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I actually finally got around to watching it. I, I, you know, um, I have a 4K upload on my my Vudu, and I, I fired it up uh, a few months back. And yeah, I, I actually was taken back by how much I enjoyed it and how dark and violent it is for a pg-13 movie yeah i was like god damn especially that scarecrow scene right when i first um uh saw it um i actually saw it in theaters um with my niece and nephew because they're uh, right around the right age and um you know the uh my nephew jake's really into horror right now so we went and saw it a couple years started young yeah so it was pg-13 so his parents were okay uh, so we went and saw it, and I was expecting it, like, okay, it, it, I had read some reviews, I was like, it'll be harmless, he'll like it, I'll sit there, but I was actually really into the movie, I mean, not everything works in the movie, some of the framing stuff really doesn't work, uh, some of the stuff isn't um, that great, but, like, the scarecrow scene is very effective, uh, the woman in the, um, the big woman in the um that's a freaky scene that is everywhere he turns and she's still coming at him and i mean just the visual of her Mm -hmm. like i Mm -hmm. mean it's just and the the fear of nowhere to go because everywhere he turns she's still coming at him yeah i and then you know at the end like with the the crazy lady who was framed or whatever that stuff i wasn't the hugest fan but i think if you're a younger viewer you can't i mean it's a good newer movie um you know Mm -hmm. sometimes kids Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily into older movies so but it's a good newer one you can watch i think it captures halloween fairly well not as good as halloween or trick-or-treat right uh i'm not saying it's anywhere on the level of those but i think it's a good one for younger kids and i you know i wanted to throw something out there that the whole family can watch now that i'm a family man 
uh, with my own son, you know, carving pumpkins and going to trunk or treats and doing all this new stuff with my young son. So I was trying to think of something, you know, maybe yeah, I'll, I'll back a wider that audience. Up. I'll back watch. that recommend up. Although I've never in my life done trunk or treat. Yeah, yeah, it's I I never had either until my son, but it was fun. I mean, he loved it. Like we dressed him up, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, they had like um, little tent set up for each one, and it was like different. Um, it was all um, like charity, so it was like different yeah. politicians trying to advertise or different groups. It's usually the case, they're always at church parking lots and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, but he uh, just loved it. Like his eye, you know, his eyes good. were wide. And he loved it. So it at the end of the day, when you have children, it's it's now about them. So yeah, good. All right, God damn you, God. Damn you. He already has, son. He already has. This is Pumpkinhead. Brain raising the dead ain't within my power. Will it be alright? Should I be afraid? It's coming! Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains hereabouts. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. Some folks will say is how she's got powers. Who are you? Ed Harley. What do you want, Ed Harley? Say it. You're looking for vengeance. Vengeance. Say it. No graveyard way back deep in them woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It was an accident. In Pumpkinhead, after a tragic accident, a man conjures up a towering, vengeful demon called Pumpkinhead to destroy a group of unsuspecting teenagers. Alright, first time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that. You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So, technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it so if i'm not up there i don't have an actual first time first time pinned down but i know i saw this some bitch not long after it came out because as i've mentioned before for various other films this was an hbo regular um much like pet cemetery a film that came out around the same time as this those two in the early 90s were always on hbo i think they took turns every night being the, the nightly eight o'clock show <laughs> and i won't be damned if my ass was sitting there you know seven eight years old or whatever or six or seven whatever the at my age was watching it every time every time i flipped through the channels if i saw that goddamn image of him or if i saw like just a shot and i knew it was from Pumpkinhead, i stopped and i watched and it was on an awful lot so yeah, I, I actually did as as a kid get my viewings of Pumpkinhead in, and then it went like fifteen years of nothing. I just 
I guess I wore myself out of the movie and hadn't went back to it, hadn't revisited it. And then something happened and I finally, you know, revisited it and I was like getting nostalgic. But then I was like, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. I like it though. So, you know, I got a lot to say about this movie. I just cannot think of an actual first time, but it was very early in its run. So... Yeah, so uh, I distinctly remember um, catching some of it, like you said, on HBO when I was very young, probably not too long after it hit HBO in the early 90s, I'm assuming. Or Yeah, it would, it, it would have been like late 90, early 91-ish. Yeah, so I distinctly remember catching a part or two of it, um, but I remember the first time I actually watched the whole thing. Um, I don't remember the exact date, but uh, it was one of the weekend pickups, so pretty much every Friday afternoon after school, um, my mom would come home and we would go up to the um, Blockbuster, the local mm. Blockbuster Dundalk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I distinctly remember the first place I would always go was horror. I wouldn't even look at like the um, the um, new, releases. new release. Nope. Uh, funny story, one I always wanted to see was Night of the Demons. It had such a cool VHS cover. Never fucking in stock at the Dundalk Blockbuster. Somebody rented the one copy and never brought it back. And that freaking cover always sat there. And every time I checked to see if they had it. <laughs> yeah, I never really watched the first one either. Um, of Night of the Demons. Actually, I, I mentioned in the last episode that I was actually more of a Night of the Demons 2 guy as I was growing up. Because that was always on Cinemax when yeah. I was younger. Um, but I was always... You're right. It was always there, but I never got to see it because I was always curious about the box art because it had Angela as a demon. And it was really cool. But box then art, yeah. it had the wording, like something about her, like, like Freddy or, and Jason were too scared to show up to her party or something like that. Like it's on, I had the DVD right there. I should just go over and grab it. But yeah, something about like Freddy and, well, come join her party. Freddy and Jason, you know, were too scared to come. This is Angela's thing or something like that. And I was always like, Oh, you're gonna call out Jason Freddy like that. <laughs> All right, you must uh, be something serious, right? So, but anyway, not to derail. That just popped into my head. But anyway, every weekend, Friday night, we would go to a Blockbuster. I would usually get two rentals. I would, and I could either split it for a movie and a video game, or I could do two movies if I was really feeling bold. But I remember the <laughs> week, bold. yeah, if there was something really good. So usually. Right. Usually one of way you put it. usually one of my picks was always a horror pick, and then I would either get a new release or video game. But anyway, I saw Pumpkinhead. I saw the cover with the Pumpkinhead, um, and I you know had flashes of HBO, so I remember got the VHS, uh, went home, and my young self loved it. Like yeah. <laughs> I remember just really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, it's a short movie. It kept my attention, and uh, yeah, I, I just remember that weekend, whether it was a Friday night or Saturday night. Uh, being happy with my choice because sometimes it wasn't always the case <laughs> back in the video store days. <laughs> You're disappointed because my mom wouldn't take me back up to get another movie if it sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so right, it was exactly. a, always a gamble. All right, real quick, story time. Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. I had an obsession with this myself, Uh, you know, as this was an HBO regular. For some reason, I 
me and my aunt would always watch this together. My aunt Karen, and as a kid, when it first came out, and it was always on HBO uh, during that initial run. Um, that we, her and I would watch this together so much that she would actually call me, you know, when I was at home, when I got home from school or whatever it was, like when it was on, like it would be on HBO and she would actually call the house to be like, Hey, just let you know, pumpkin heads on. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember us being at a, uh, a public pool one day and then, I was like really worried about getting home in time for the eight o'clock showing of Pumpkinhead on HBO. So one of the, I was really excited to watch it with her and we came home. It was actually, actually at this house upstairs. We came back and, um, watched it in the living room with my mom. Um, she probably doesn't remember that moment, but I do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was just a mild obsession for like a couple of years with this to the point where like my aunt took notice and, you know, was always watching it with me. And, um, like I said, she would even, you know, go out of her way to, freaking called the house to let me know that it was on tv when <laughs> just in case i wasn't there and you know didn't know about it so yeah i just wanted to mention that quick little story all right so live top five rob it's your turn okay i'm feeling kind of basic today top five side ones track ones janie jones clash from the clash mm. let's get it on marvin Gaye from let's get it on Nirvana smells like teen spirit off of Nevermind. Oh, no, Rob, that's not obvious enough. Not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a... Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection. The song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. So we're going to do top five not Clive Barker creations. <laughs> Top five Stan Winston creations. And again, I apologize for my text saying top five Clive Barker. I had a nightbreed on the brain yeah, still. I, when you texted me that, I didn't even think about it at first. And I was like, all right, let me start looking. I have a, you know, I have most of the list figured out. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Did I miss something? Did <laughs> Clive Barker write this or something like that? Because I'm like thinking about it. I'm like. Nothing to do with this. Nothing at all. I'm like, because he did some schlock. Like, I, it would have been on my list if it was Clive Barker, but Rawhead Rawhead, Rex. Rawhead Rex. Yeah. <laughs> He, he did. He did Rawhead Rex, not Pumpkinhead. Yeah, and then I think that was a movie where he was like, "Ah, oh, fuck this! I'm going to start directing my own movies, so I don't mm-hmm. end up with this shit again." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it made more sense when I was like, "He probably meant Stan Winston." Yeah, <laughs> makes definitely meant sense. Stan Winston. So, all right, number five for me is Mr. Roboto from the Sticks video. He did the 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 mask for that creation. So, yeah. And I always thought that was a cool-ass fucking mask. So, definitely. Como elegato, Mr. Roboto, my number five. <laughs> so, mine might be a little obscure, but uh, he did a couple of the animals on the short-lived show Manimal that I'm a huge fan with. Uh, you remember Manimal? Never heard of the show <laughs> at all, so as I'm a, not surprised. It was a... Uh, um, 80s uh tv show i forget how many seasons it lasted it was either one probably or two one. seasons probably one uh <laughs> but it 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 centered around the main character being able to transfer into different animals uh-huh. so he would transfer um into like a hawk or a panther i think stan winston did um you know it i don't know it was just an interesting show to me as a young uh kid watching uh the few of the reruns back in the day but it actually had decent enough effects i'm not saying great effects obviously it's a tv show back in the 80s but uh it it was fairly decent for a tv show back then it was kind of neat if winston did it then it was at least decent yeah you know i I can't i don't think winston ever did 
a bad concept or design, honestly. Right. You know, going through all of his work, you know, the composer's top five for this episode, really, that was one of the things that, that's why he was so beloved in Hollywood because Stan Winston could really do no wrong. And he did so much, you know, he even turned to dinosaurs for, for Steven Spielberg and Jurassic Park. He helped do that. So he did a lot for, um, for makeup Hollywood. Uh, my number four is the Kothoga from the Relic. Oh, okay. Remember the Relic? Yeah, I remember that. The Penelope Ann Miller and Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore, yeah. So I saw it in theaters. I, I don't know if we saw it, but I, I remember seeing it in theaters. I saw it at North Point across the street from their house. So yeah, we might have we probably together. did see it together yeah. then. So that movie, uh, creature film, for those of you who are like, what is that? Creature film from 97. It came out right around, actually, it came out a month after Scream. Because I remember them coming out like on VHS that summer, like the same week or something like that. And whatever Scream wasn't in, I just rent the relic instead. So <laughs> basically, it's this creature who is running amok in this uh, Chicago um, like museum. And there's a twist at the end. I'm not going to get into plot details or whatnot. Just uh, the, the Kothoga creature is really unique um i love his little tentacle things that are like because the whole thing he, he eats your head he decapitates you that's mm-hmm. the creature's thing and there's a, there's a way he does it he's got these like i don't know these mandibles or something like that it'll just like come and grab your head and just snip um and it's just weird it's just it's it's like a fucked up hardcore version of a wild boar almost i haven't seen the film in about six seven years so my memory of overall is vague of what happens but it's definitely a cool ass design that um stan winston should be proud of so you're number four um so uh sorry yeah, I'm just getting mine together. Okay. So mine is actually uh, this one, uh, Pumpkinhead. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, I, looking back at it, it's a very limited budget movie, but I think what he pulls off in the movie for being such a B-movie creature feature is still pretty impressive. I don't think it's as impressive as his high budget, you know, work, which makes sense. I mean, you know, a lot of the other movies he's famous for and won awards for, uh, you know, like they have millions upon millions of dollars, like... Pumpkinhead was made for next to nothing. So, but, uh, you know, I think it's really impressive what they're able to pull off on a B movie in the late 80s. You know, can I give you a little tidbit? What's that? Pumpkinhead's not on my list, and there's a reason for that. And I'm not trying to come off as a dick for this, but Winston didn't do it. He directed this movie, he did not oh, really? do the design because he was so wrapped up in writing it. I did not and know. And I was going to talk about that later on, but no, it's just, we'll get to it. Uh, Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr., who helped with uh, Alien Creations. They actually, them, as well as Shane Mahan and John Rosengrant, the four of them created the design of this and, and came up. Uh, Winston gave them free reign to do the design and makeup for the, the creature. But no, Winston, because... And, and you're not entirely wrong, because I almost had this on my list as well, but then I was like, wait a minute. I know Winston was busy making the movie itself. Well, I knew he directed Did it, he yeah. actually do the creature and no he did not unfortunately um but for the between those four i mean it's for not it, it, it you know it would probably be higher on my list if winston did do it i love this design that much but unfortunately and again wasn't trying to be a dick to correct you like that i just wanted you to know because 
you know, there's probably people listening like, yeah, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. <laughs> Amateur co-host. Like, nah, nah. Just want to just set the record straight real quick and move on. Number three, the queen alien from Aliens. Yeah. Fucking love that design. Yeah. And the fact that they'd still use it today whenever they had to do the queen alien for whatever it is. The last time we saw it was Alien vs. Predator 15 years ago or so. That, um... It, it was pretty much the same design and it's just an awesome design. You got that big head, you know, with the, just, it, it's just cool. I'm not going to get into it, no, but like, I, I love mean, the queen awesome. alien. If you're listening to this episode, you know what the queen alien is. And yeah. yeah, that's Winston to a T. So great design. Yeah. So not to uh, spoil, but you know, um, the queen alien is actually my number two. All so, right. Very good. <laughs> so I might as well bring that up now instead of just waiting. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's such an iconic scene and such an iconic creature. I remember having like the, for some reason they had action figures for kids. I back had in one. The day. I had one. Yeah, I had and one too. Dude, at Walmart, we sell a big, large doll of the Queen Alien from Aliens. Yeah. I'm buying that goddamn thing. It's like 40 bucks. I can't justify spending 40 bucks on a toy right now, but when it comes down, cause it's going to, cause I'm going to hide that son of a bitch. Yes, I'm getting it. It's so cool. The only different thing about it is it's pink. Because apparently okay. it's like one of the um, war. It's like a variation of like. Because the- apparently they make because aliens. They had toys for. I remember them. I had a bunch of them. I had a bishop figure and all that stuff. Yeah. Not bishop. Uh, Drake. I had a Drake figure with that big gun, the waist gun. Yeah. Um, but the aliens, they they have like toys where you can get like a bull alien, like shit that was not in the movie, and this variation of the queen that is for sale, like. It's pretty much the exact same design, but it's like a maroon color. So I don't know. It's still cool. Uh, it's still it it still piques my interest. So so anyway, that's cool. That's uh, yeah. But anyway, so trailing back. So my number three was actually the Predator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my number three. Uh, you know, just so iconic with like the mandibles and oh, the yeah. mouth. I mean. You know, I was blown away when I first saw that. I mean, you can watch it today and it still holds up. You can't say that about a lot of other uh, creatures and uh, things that came out around that time. But it, it still absolutely looks uh, so scary and so out of this world. I don't know. It's just iconic. Like, you know, when I, I think of Stan Winston, I think of that. Yeah. So that was my three. Uh, number two for me is the T-800 from the Terminator. Yep. That is just... Look. Robot designs are a dime a dozen. Anyone can do a robot. But there's something about that T-800 and that endoskeleton design. And the fact that... And I'm talking about, more specifically, the original from the first Terminator. Because not only is it just unique and shit. When I was younger, it would scare the shit out of me. Like, I would watch the Terminator all the time. But then at the end, when they throw the pipe bomb in the truck and it explodes and they think they've won, but then the Terminator comes out of the truck as like the endoskeleton robot, like that whole like last five, ten minutes of the movie and the, the, the fact, industrial factory just always like just scared me as a kid because that design was just so batshit crazy. And like to me, like it just frightened me. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's still to this day, I still like, Whenever I see that design, I'm like, yeah, T-800. You can make as many variations as you want of all these fucking sequels, but there will always be the original T-800 from Stan Winston. So, Yep. So, yeah, I already covered my number two. Yeah, of course. But uh, my number one um, 
is what you just mentioned, the T-800. Like, that's always the first thing that pops into my head. Um, you know, it just always interests me. I, I always liked watching, like, the behind-the-scenes on how they puppeted the T-800 yeah. and did all the different shots. Um, you know, it, it was just really interesting. And it's just so iconic. I mean, when you think about, like, a, a robot, I mean, a lot of people, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean... Terminator 2 was is my favorite action movie uh and obviously the original Terminator that's the most It's the same T800. Yeah, it, it's the same thing but the those movies I mean yeah. you know I just used to rewatch constantly <laughs> on loop um and you're right it, it's scary and it's just such an iconic design like I mean that's literally the first thing that pops into my head uh, when I think of Stan Winston. Yeah, I mean real T-800. quick even watching Terminator Salvation, for whatever that movie is, you know, I'm not talking about the actual film itself. I'm talking about, you know, the battle scenes, the scene where uh, John Connor goes into that, the, the random scene where he gets into the, the, the chopper and flies up and then crashes and still survives. And then he's attacked by that T-800, like, that, 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 that with that, that's like the top half of it only. Yeah. Like, that, fr- that, that scene actually frightens me. Because it's just like, there's that machine again, like, just coming at you with them red eyes, you know? Uh, but my number one is the Predator. Um, talk, speaking of being scary, we talked about the design. It's it's flawless, but the actual creature itself, like, as much as I would watch Terminator, I would always watch Predator. And same thing, the, the whole ending between the fight between Arnie and that Predator... Especially when he gets the mask, when he takes the mask off and reveals his face, like frightened me as a kid, just fucking frightened me. And uh, you know, it doesn't really have the same effect to me now as, like, say the T eight hundred, but because it's been done so many times, and I think the Predator really left a bad taste in my mouth as far as that <laughs> franchise goes. Because you know. It, they they did the cardinal sin. They they did a CGI predator. Fuck that. Yeah, that um, whole movie is. Yeah, that. Oh god. Sorry, gang. We're never gonna be covering Shane Black's The Predator. Yeah, and I'm a huge Shane Black fan. Same. Like he, uh, Nice she, Guys was one of my favorite movies uh, of the recent decade. What really jumps up and bites my ass about The Predator because I'm actually like I hold a grudge against that movie. Still, oh, I, I hate that movie. I because, don't say that a whole lot. I hate that movie. Well, yeah, I can I can say the same. I, I do too. But what really pisses me off about the movie itself is the fact that not only was it done by Shane Black, but it was co-written by um, Fred Decker, who yeah. did None of the Creeps, which I adore. Monster he Squad. He did Monster Squad. Yeah. He did Robocop 3. But <laughs> we'll forget about that. Fred Decker. And he actually co-wrote that script. And the fact that it just turned so shitty, like the writing is god-awful, obvious rewrites, you can tell that entire third act is, 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 was reshot. And it was. Um, just bland effects, no heart. The movie just sucks. And it's, it's, and the movie does a good job of making you think it's gonna be something that it isn't because the first five minutes, the first encounter that, uh, Boyd Holbrook's character has with the alien, with the Predator, and there's that cool ass shot of the skin body and of the Predator, and like its blood drips down. Like the, the, the skin guy, like his blood drops down, and like it, it covers the, the the Predator, but he's in like invisible mode, and all yeah. you see is the blood. But then his eyes glow. Like I thought that was badass, and I was like, okay, I'm getting behind this. 
But then that fucking scene happened in the lab. And I'm like, oh. And then the dogs. Oh. And then the large predator that's all CG came down. And I'm like, fuck this movie. (laughs) Fuck you, Fred Decker. Fuck you, Shane Black. You know, not to mention they had Thomas Jane in that movie. And I was so excited for my boy Thomas Jane. Yeah. And they just wasted him with that goddamn Tourette's angle. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, he almost kind of made it work, but it was terrible. Like the writing. Yeah. I mean, I deal with people that actually have Tourette's. And that is not it's how not, they fucking act. It's not act. just curse words. Can yet. we stop doing the whole Deuce Bigelow, you know, interpretation of people with Tourette's? Because that's not how it is. So, moving right along, though. That wraps up our top five. I think we can jump into the film. Agreed? Let's go. Alright, so the film opens with you got opening credits over some flames, accompanied by Richard Stone's phenomenal score. Yeah, the opening music really grabbed me when I was watching this. I made a note of that. Yeah, uh, Stone's score is really, really good. And Richard Stone, um, his career is um, different. Uh, so, Richard Stone, I mean, pull up. He does the music for, did the music. He unfortunately passed away 20 years ago from cancer. But, um, did the music for Looney Tunes, Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania, The Plucky Duck Show, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, Pinky and, um, Elmira and the Brain, Hysteria, uh, The Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, Freakazoid, and Road Rovers. He did the music for all of those WB animated series. Used to love them. Yeah, me too as a kid. He did some, um, films and TV sto- stories. He did some films and TV series that featured, uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, one of them was uh, a film that I actually own over there on Blu-ray called Sundown, The Vampire Retreat. Uh, of course, <laughs> Pumpkinhead. Never seen that one. And he actually did, he helped out on the music for Ferris Bueller and 16 Candles, even though Era Newborn got the credit, he actually helped with the, the music. So, that's it. That's what I got on Richard Stone. But the score for this movie, it's awesome. One, yeah. one of my favorite things about it is the music. It's definitely a lot better than you would expect for like a B-type creature feature movie. Yeah. It's definitely a step up. Yep, De- definitely. So we're introduced to a young uh, Ed Hardley. I'm sorry. We're, we're introduced to a young Ed Harley. It's uh, 1957. Uh, he's being tucked into his bed by his mother while his father, Tom, um, is visually nervous and goes out to bring the horses into the barn after rolling up his truck windows. Now, his dad, Tom... You notice this guy? Uh, I noticed him, but I do not uh, remember what he's from. But as as uh, I was watching it, got, I recognized he's him. He's got a French name, which I'm probably going to butcher, uh, so forgive me. Uh, Lee Debrow, uh, D-E-B-R-O-U-X, that's how it's uh, spelled. Uh, so he's um, he's the cocaine drug dealer in Robocop. Oh, okay. Yeah. He has that big plant that Robocop breaks into. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's that guy who has the wine. Yeah, he's that. Yeah, that's him. That's him. That came out a year before this movie. So, um, 
so he goes back inside and his wife asks if she should be scared and this is where we're being introduced to Clayton Heller who is on the run from an unseen entity while loudly claiming his innocence and that he didn't kill that girl you know who he's played by? Uh, no I didn't recognize Clayton No. so when I rewatched this for the first time a couple years back um, after uh, X amount of years this guy, I never knew who he was played by, but I watched it and I was like, right away, I was like, that's Dick Miller. Oh, I didn't. Uh, not Dick, I'm sorry, that's Dick Warlock. Oh, okay. So I looked it up, and sure enough, he's played by stuntman Dick Warlock, who was Michael Myers in Halloween 2. Okay. And and he was also one of the um, suit assassins in Halloween 3. You said Dick Miller. I was like, man, I must have I know, really I know, whiffed I know. on that one. No, the Dick Warlock, <laughs> dude. Dick Warlock. Uh, I love that man. He is so funny. Um, still alive today. Um, he's still got the humor intact. He, you know, if, if you're lucky, uh, he does the convention circuit still. Um Although he might be retired or newly retired, but he was last time I checked doing the rounds. Uh, funny guy, really awesome. Um, definitely holds that badge of honor of being a former Michael Myers, uh, and and he's one. Of, he's a fan favorite. So and, and so famous stunt man, and catch him in the right role like this one, and yeah, he's Clayton, the guy yeah. running from the unseen entity who we all know as Pumpkinhead. So he's knocking on the uh, the door. Tom orders him away with his shotgun. Then the uh, entity chases Clayton down into a stream where it picks him up and we get our first glimpse of said entity. Other known, other known, otherwise known as Pumpkinhead. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this design because this design is just so unique and different yeah. and scary and he's so tall, so frail. Um... He's like got really long arms, really tall, really like, tall and skinny. That's what I meant. That's what I meant by frail. And like, he's just this really cool looking demon that you know you can see how he's kind of resembles a pumpkin, uh, pumpkin head at least. He's got this really. He's known for his head. You know, the the, the face. He's got them white eyes. Um, sharp teeth and claws, dude. The claws on this thing. Yeah, and it's then, it's a really cool design. I love it so much. Yeah, it, it, it it's as far as like a B movie creature feature from this time. I mean, this is like the Cadillac of like designs. Like it, it just really works well. Um, you know, I think the movie being directed by Stan Winston, he really knows how to shoot. Uh, you know, shoot the creature to make it. And look, that's important. Uh, well that's done. that's very important. You should yeah, that's that's definitely something we should bring up. I'm glad you did. It's it's really important that you know how to shoot these effects. So and it helped when Stan Winston, who's like one of if there was a Mount you know, what is it? Mount, Mount Rushmore. I, if there was a Mount Rushmore for, you know, makeup effects artists, uh, I'd somehow have to incorporate Nicotero and Greg Berger, right? <laughs> Nicotero and Howard Berger, who was just on the show uh, earlier this week. I'd, I'd put them somehow as K and B in one, and then I definitely have Rick Baker on there. Yeah, you have to have Stan Winston on there. And who would that fourth one be? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many out there that are just so good. Uh, I probably. I mean, for me, it would be Savini, but I you could make an argument. You could argue Savini. You could argue Kevin Yeager. Yeah. You can argue... Um, just slipped my mind. I just had it in my head. Yeager. Tony Gardner. He's currently doing the Chucky uh, series. 
who did like Return of the Living Dead and a bunch of other 80s uh, schlock. There's just so many. It, like, Probably Savini, though. I, you know what? You know what? Fuck it. I throw Savini on there. I'm just, just saying because for of his... name brand. Like, a lot of people that don't know much about movies or effects know who uh, Tom Savini is. Just... Well, the reason why it took me so long to jump to Savini's name, and you actually mentioned it before I did, is because Savini hasn't done anything in a long time. He's been retired. I know. And yeah. well, he's got that mask coming out for the the black phone with Ethan Hawke. That's a Savini design. Did you know no, that? No, I didn't know that. I didn't know he did anything. Yeah, that movie that's coming out. I'm sure you didn't watch the trailer because you don't want to be spoiled. I know how you are. <laughs> yeah. But it comes out in February. It's it's from Blumhouse and um it's it, it's Ethan Hawke as a serial killer with a really cool creepy mask. Huh. And the mask was designed by Tom Savini. So, um. So, Little Ed gets out of bed and sees Clayton being killed through the back window as the scene changes to present day and it focuses in on Ed, who's now played by Lance Hendrickson. He's working with his flamethrower, burning hay all around his house while his little boy Billy is hanging around, looking buff as fuck in the process. Know, God damn, He's dude. hitting the gym before this movie. He is working it, dude. Like, <laughs> I... First thing I noticed when I saw him, you know, the shirt off with the flamethrower was, God damn, Lance is getting some reps in. Looking real good for this movie. Um, unfortunately, it's the only time we're going to see him in that in that mode um, because uh, it's, he's now having breakfast with his son, Billy. Uh, Billy's caught feeding the dog at the funny table. Funny bit here, Ed says, not at the table. Because Billy's like, but he's hungry. And he's like, yeah. not at the table. So he lets him go put the food in his bowl instead. Um, yeah, because Billy says he's awfully hungry. Uh, Billy then surprises him with uh, this necklace that he made with a little stick figure pawn on it. Um, yeah, you'll notice it. Uh, it's it's it's. It it's kinda, important for the movie. It's important, yeah. exactly. Thank you. So, we're introduced to our body count for the film as the yuppie teams in two vehicles are heading <laughs> camping. Uh, the movie cuts back and forth between the teens and Ed and Billy, who are opening up Ed's store all together. It's, uh, it's called Harley and Son Grocery. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, you know, you don't get a whole lot of time between um, Ed and his son in this movie. Um, but... The way Lance Henderson just plays it, I mean, he just plays, like, the sweetest, most caring father in those few scenes. Like, you can tell he's a no-nonsense, like, farm, tough guy, it, but it, he, yeah. he's just so sweet to that kid, and I think that's what really elevates this movie, is Lance Hendrickson, obviously, uh, just bringing it uh, to the screen. Uh, you know, I think a lesser actor, it could have easily just been boring, like, just get past this, I don't want to see... This guy with his kid. I, I don't want to see the well, teens get introduced. Yeah. Winston showcases that relationship between father and son. Just, you know, it's just long enough for us to just have an effect and feel for what happens ultimately to yeah. Billy coming up. Yeah, um, I mean, it, and you're right it's on the only a few about scenes. That. No, it's, and it's, it, and it's, 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 the, it's perfect amount. It's, it's the perfect amount. Um, we definitely established that connection and his importance to him. So they meet up in front of Harley's. Um, we get back. We get a nice father-son bond being shown that started back at the breakfast scene, like you just mentioned. Uh, we see him showing Billy how to water the produce to keep him fresh, and then Joel, who's our main yuppie of the group, is making fun of the area along with Billy's glasses and decides to pull out his dirt bike from the back of his truck that he's, he's been pulling on a toe. Just kind of fucking random, if you ask me. Like, hey, we're really at the store, is. getting to the cabin. Let's get the bikes out. You Let's know. get the bikes out. It reminds <laughs> me of. Uh, 
an episode of the show Viva La Bam where they're heading to Mardi Gras and they stopped at a gas station to gas up. So they busted out their boards and they're skating on the, the mini vert ramp in the back. It's like, but you're there to get gas, guys, really? And in this in this instance, it's like, but you guys are getting stuff for your camping trip. You're like, what? What is this? So yeah, that part always kind of bothered me. I'm like, why are they on the bikes? Where else is Billy gonna die? So, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he he starts riding around that goddamn thing, and then his little brother Chris is playing with Billy's dog Gypsy when Joel drives around on the bike. This is when Mister Wallace and and the Wallaces show up to uh, uh the store. Mr. Wallace, played by John Carpenter regular George Buck Flower. Oh yeah, he's in every goddamn genre film from the '80s and early '90s. Oh, he's yeah. also he's also a, he's always a bum too. Um, he's a homeless guy in Back to the Future. He's a homeless guy in like every John Carpenter movie, um, he, except for Village of the Damned. He was the janitor of the school. Uh, he was in Wishmaster. He is in or was in everything. The Fog. So yeah. much that George Buck was in, um, including this, as like I said, Mr. Wallace. Uh, he goes inside to talk to Ed while his kids stay outside together. And did you pick up on his daughter, Christine, who she's played by? Yeah, Blossom. Yeah, yeah. little little uh, Mayim Malik. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, Amy Fam- Farrah Fowler from Big Bang Theory. It's probably how more people know her, but I remember her from Blossom. A as show well. I've never watched before, but yes, yeah, she's also on the Big Bang Theory. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd argue Blossom. She's probably most known for whoa. Yeah. Uh, so the oldest son of the of the group, Bunt. His name is Bunt. I know. I I I, I laughed at that. Too. <laughs> I was like, really, Bunt? He gets his other siblings to circle the youngest son, Jimmy Joe. Makes fun of him with a lullaby about Pumpkinhead until the one of the the, the teens named Maggie yells for them to stop. Jimmy Joe. You done bad. Y'all know what settles on badness, don't you? Pumpkin head. Pumpkin head. Y'all stop. There ain't no pumpkin head. What about old Mr. Foley? He moved away. Uh-uh. Pumpkin head got it. Teared off his head and drank all the blood. Did not. Did too. Shut up, Hessie. Keep away from pumpkin head unless you're tired of living. His enemies, enemies are mostly dead, he's mean and unforgiving. Stop, Stop it! it. You're Stop it! Bolted doors and windows barred. Gorgon's prowling in the yard. Won't protect you till you're dead. Stop it! Stop it! Then Ed has Billy bring the dog inside from the sunlight and then orders him to stay in the store because he forgot to uh, he forgot Mr. Wallace's feed. Yeah, he so has to run to the he's house. He's got to run to the house to get yep. it. Now, at this point, Joel's little brother Chris gets his bike down as well and starts riding with his brother in the field. Then the dog Gypsy runs out. So Billy runs after him when he's suddenly hit by Joel's bike while he's landing a jump. Everyone runs to attend to him, saying, keep him warm, keep him, you know, make sure he's okay, I could, I'll call the cops. Well, no one mentions the cops being called, or, or, the, or a medic. No one mentions calling the medic, they're just, like, frantically, like, more concerned about what Ed's gonna think when he gets back and sees his son well, dead. um, I, I don't I, remember all the characters' names, but some, one of them ran in to get a, the check for a phone, there was no phone at the store. Okay, that's what it was then, okay. Yeah, there was the first no thing phone. I'm like is, why are we calling the medics here? Yeah, there was no phone at the store, and then, uh, you know, someone were like, well, we'll go to the cabin and use the phone there, and then, uh, 
uh, the main, uh, I forget all their names because they're all disposable characters, but the main douchebag guy who killed the kid. And you've got, yeah, that's Joel. Yeah. Joel, his brother Chris, there's yeah. Maggie, who's like the, the psychic one of the group, the blonde, who gets like the best death in the movie, I think. There's Kim, who's uh, Joel's girlfriend, like the Model S. There's Tracy, there's Steve. Uh, there's a bunch of them. So... So, okay, so he takes off with this girlfriend, Kim. No, I'm sorry. Joel, meanwhile, has no remorse over this death. Nope. Just gets on his bike and just takes gets off. right out of there. Yep. Says he's been drinking and they'll hang him. So he takes off with his girlfriend, Kim, to the cabin, and eventually everyone else follows suit. All but Steve, who stays to wait with Billy until Ed returns. So they all ditch. They're just like, you got this? Yeah. You got this, Steve? Cool. We outie. We outie. We'll get the phone when we get there and after we start the fire and eat or something. You know, we'll yeah. call somebody. We'll, we'll save a plate for you, <laughs> you know? So Steve stays to watch with Billy until Ed returns, all while watching this boy laying around. So, you know, this is a personal note of mine. So he's holding Billy. Billy's, like, attending. The, the, the guy, Steve, is, like, attending the Billy. And the kid actor who's playing Billy, you just see him laying there with his eyes open, looking bored as shit during this scene. Oh, his yeah. eyes are wide open. Yeah. And sometimes he closes it, but he's just sitting there. Like, you can tell he's being instructed, like directed to just lay there, little Billy. Just lay there. It doesn't matter if you're looking around. We're not going to be able to see that. And you probably couldn't back in the day on VHS and uh, stuff. Probably. But now watching this with like 4K transfers and Blu-ray and all that, definitely see this boy's eyes just sitting there wide open like... He's not even closing the play dead. No, it, it's pretty obvious because I I was he watching looks it. Bored. Yeah, I was watching it in high def, and yeah, it's he looked he definitely looks bored. And you know, he the guy's sitting there with him the whole time, and he hasn't moved. I'm like, would you really? I don't, I don't know. They're acting like he's gonna be okay or something. Maybe it's just denial. But like, the kid doesn't move after he gets hit. Like, he's obviously dead. Well, they act like they're not quite sure about I'm it. I'm not or even sure he's dead yet. Cause like, we'll come up in a second to on, on to this. So Ed returns and immediately grabs Billy and takes him to his truck to get him help. So Steve tries explaining what happened. Ed suddenly turns around. Oh yeah, gives him that Lance Hendricks gives look. Steve <laughs> a very menacing look that just has him back away. So we're back at the camp now, at the cabin, I mean. Uh, the campers fight about whether or not to call the police. Joel is revealed to be on probation for a similar incident and rips out the phone cord, knocks one of his friends unconscious, and locks him and a girl, uh, him and his girlfriend, in the closet yeah. to stop them from contacting the authorities. Wow. Yeah, going pretty <laughs> far there, like, uh, hitting your own friend with a block of wood, like... Yeah, it's a it's, fucking... Yeah, and, and like, you're on probation for a similar incident? You, you've killed two kids with your dirt bike now? Is that, yeah. is that what I'm led to believe? Yeah, there's probably another monster coming <laughs> after him soon. But, yeah, and, like, if, if somebody I knew hit me with a block of wood and locked me in a pantry or whatever, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know what his plan would be. Like, I would... Oh, go to the and, cops? Like, I'd be like, dude, you just imprisoned me. Like, The shit would be on, dude. Uh, d real quick, do you recognize the cabin in the movie? Thank you. That is the cabin from Friday the 13th Part 4, where <laughs> Jason met his demise the first time. It yep. is also the cabin from Arnold Schwarzenegger's Eraser. This cabin has been in a lot of films. That The cabin is still up there in Hollywood, outside in the woods to this day. Um, that cabin has been on an episode of Entourage. That cabin has been in a lot of things. But... 
for me the Jarvis house. The Jarvis and, house. And Friday thirteenth. It's the Jarvis house, and it's also like I said that that cabin with the cool ass guns towards the end of Eraser, uh, with Schwarzenegger and Vanessa Williams. This part four is my second favorite Friday thirteenth. Yeah, it's my third, second or third for me too. We're, we're gonna get that in films in yeah. the show one day. Um. So Ed takes Billy home and reads him a story while holding and comforting him. And this is where I'm questioning whether he's dead yet or not, because Billy suddenly says, Daddy, and then yeah. passes away uh, while Ed holds him close. Um, and then back at the cabin, and then I have on my notes here, the cabin from Friday 4 and Eraser. Joel, uh, Steve tells Joel about the look that Ed gave him, and he says that he just looked like he wanted to kill him. Yeah, Because uh, he did. Lance <laughs> Hendricks, uh, when he pulls up with his truck and he's looking for uh, Billy... Like, again, he sells it very well. Like, at first, he's just walking. He's like, what the fuck is this guy doing out in this field? And then once he sees his son, like, just the... He does it very well. The look on his face. He just starts running. His hat flies off. Like, he sells it very well that, like, he just lost, like, his whole world, pretty much. I'm going to give Lance that, man. He's always been able to nail emotion, no matter what role it is. Um, And he's done a lot of schlock in his day. I mean, look at the filmography for Lance Hendrickson, and it's very um, extensive. So, well, a lot of filler. Of the sequels. <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot of well, he was in one, so I know a, yeah, lot, yeah. a lot of the fill, a lot of filler roles. Um, yes, Pumpkinhead Four is definitely one that he's admitted just taking it for a paycheck. There's a story he tells where he actually went to the premiere of it. They were just like they kind of in the going to the premiere, and he went, and nobody was there, and he was supposed to do a Q and A afterwards, and like. He just dipped out. Didn't even do the Q&A. He snuck away from his uh, his agent and just got the <laughs> hell out of there. Because he said there was like 10 people there. And it was just embarrassing. So like yeah. he didn't even stick around for the Q&A. Um, but yeah, he sells it very well in this movie. I He definitely elevates this movie from just like, oh, okay, a B creature feature with a decent design. To something that's memorable that, you know, we still watch today. Yep. So Ed drives to the Wallace place with his feed, which Bunt unloads. When Mr. Wallace goes to pay, Ed tells him to keep the money and asks about the whereabouts to an old woman. So his son just died. He's worried about this goddamn feed still. I love it. Dedication. So he sends Bunt inside and then asks about the details after Ed tells him. He still refuses, instead telling him to go home and bury his boy, then apologizes for not being able to help him. Bunt. Sir? Get over to the house. Well, you told me to do this first. You do what I told you, boy, and you do it now. Okay. What killed him? City folks. Run him over. Left him. I'm sorry about your boy. You got to tell She's the only one that can help him. Like I said, I'm sorry. You got to tell me, God. Damn it. She can't help him. All she can do is take you straight to hell. Now you go on home. You go home and you bury your boy. So while Ed's leaving, Bunt stops him and offers to tell him what he wants to know. He takes him to, he takes the cash from Ed and then be, uh, begins giving directions until he's told to get in and guide him himself. And Bunt says he'll only go halfway. So, which goes a little bit more than halfway. Because yeah. we see him pull up and, like, Bunt gets out. And then, like, Ed just kind of goes down a little ways and that's it. He gets out and goes into this, this old shack of this woman's in, this witch. He, offer, he offers her gold, but she says resurrecting the dead is not within her power. 
I want to mention this orange fiery cinematography in her fucking cabin because it is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's just glowing orange. Um, it's, I, I just love this color palette that um, Winston decided to go with for her old yeah. cabin. Because in the opening scene, they had like the red um, when they were in the in the fifties in the old school. Um, yep. Um, and Harley then House. outside, it's blue. Yeah, outside. I love how these locations had their own dedicated color palette. It's it's awesome. The witch is the orange. The Ed, the the Ed's house opening and the scene, opening yeah. scenes are red, like you said, and then everything outside is blue in the woods. Yeah. Um. And then Harley says that he wants revenge, and as a boy, he saw the witch controlling a mysterious creature. The witch agrees to help Harley seek revenge, but she warns him that vengeance comes with a terrible price. When her orders, Harley goes to an old graveyard in the the mountains, leaving the boy with her, digs up a disfigured corpse, love the foggy hill set along with the beating heart and the trademark lotus sound as he's doing this yeah, and it's really like you know you can it's tell it's just stomp and it's almost it's yeah, obvious set it's an obvious, obvious set, set but it's like a cool b-movie looking set like it, it's there's corny. pumpkins all over the place yeah it's, it, a, it's a nice touch it's corny and well done in the right way like if you're watching a b creature feature like this it, it it's well done like yeah it's obviously a set it's obviously not really a graveyard but it's just a neat setting it's neat how the graveyard is now a pumpkin patch mm-hmm. because uh, for anybody who doesn't know pumpkins can really grow anywhere like so it, it kind of does make sense right. you uh, know if if you're concerned about watching this for the first time or maybe a blind buy if you're ballsy like i am sometimes and you're worried about getting your money's worth you're getting your money's worth with this movie trust us so he brings the back to the witch's home and she uses blood from the father and son to resurrect the corpse which rises as a giant spinely demon creature demonic creature yeah so joel's brother chris is offering to take the blame for the boy's death meanwhile maggie the the blonde who's kind of like psychic-esque she starts hearing her name whispered and runs outside while steve goes after her uh, we cut back to Ed, who goes to his wife's grave to bury their son next to her and to tell her that he's that they're uh, going to pay for this. And then we see Steve uh, killed by Pumpkinhead. After he's chasing Maggie, he gets, uh, he gets pulled off screen. Ed experiences the murder through the monster's eyes, through his own. Because yeah. um, this is the first of... Uh, Ed's got this connection with the demon that yeah. he wasn't told about. Yeah, he kind of like drops to his knees and, and he's kind of like convuls- convulsing and convulsing and all that and like yeah and and it just basically says that he's tied to it and you know like he he's he bleeding was, right he starts was his nose or his ears yeah he, he starts, starts bleeding out he starts bleeding like you can tell it's taking a toll on him like mm-hmm. uh you know uh, when he was told like this. It's not going to be easy. Like it's going to take price. a toll on you. Comes, comes with, with a price. price yeah, when he goes, price. he hasn't gotten back to you, but you're right. So while the guys go after Steve, um, after Maggie returns, we get a cool shot of Pumpkinhead walking outside in the background. Oh yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. It's cool. Like you're just you see them on the set in the cabin, and there's doing your usual conversation about what are they going to do now, yada yada. Look in the background, you see Pumpkinhead walking back through the windows. I love it. He's like they're not afraid to show this this design. They 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 put him in there as much as they can in the most slickest ways. Yeah, including this. You see him a lot more compared to like maybe a lot of other monster movies. I mean, obviously they have to cut around because I mean, why they, not? 
I know it's a great design. It makes sense to showcase them. Like they flawed that shit. You really just have to cut around. So like obviously when Pumpkinhead's picking up and throwing somebody like a rag doll, you have to right. cut around that because yeah. the guy in a suit's not gonna be able to do that. Yeah, that's all about it. That's all in the editing, definitely. Yeah, and they don't have the budget for like you know set up like all this wire work and all this crazy right, stuff. Right, right, right. But other than that, Pumpkinhead's uh, on full on showcase in the movie, and it's awesome. Yeah. So Maggie opens up the door to go after Steve, but instead she finds his hanging corpse, and then Pumpkinhead drags her off screen, and Ed has another first-person vision of her being killed while he's driving. So we see Ed return to the witch and begs for her to make it stop, saying that this is wrong, this is all wrong, and she belittles him and says it'll pass. <laughs> I just love the way, um, I don't remember the actress's name that plays the witch, uh, but I just love how she says, Ed Harley. Like, I just love how she keeps saying his name. It takes a price, Ed Harley. Like, I, I she does it very Her well. Voice like is, the witch. I, I love it. Yeah, um, yeah so yeah, he says that he'll do it himself, and she says that he will fail and die too. He'll pay the price all the sooner. says god damn you she tells him he already has son he already has so back to maggie's death it's still happening pumpkin head pushing her head through the kitchen window yeah, and just he just leaves. like rubs her up against it he rubs her up <laughs> and then pushes her through and just kind of yeah i'm out of here here's your dead friend yeah he kind of he kind of i forgot how mean pumpkin head is like obviously i know he killed people but like he kind of toys with them in this movie quite a bit it's where, like, great. they're alive and he just slams them around like a rag doll for a I, while. I think then... it's great. It is great. <laughs> so after this happens, uh, hysterical Joel finds her and grabs a machete to go after the creature, only to be killed in the process after going outside and yelling that he's the one he wants. And he then sees his girlfriend Kim passed out. Pumpkinhead drags her and drops her from a fucking fatal height so he drags her up this tall ass tree i know you just see pumpkin head perched up there like a big pterodactyl yeah. or and then he drops her <laughs> and she lands on top of this large rock dude yeah just fucking annihilates her so yeah meanwhile all the remaining survivors are all witnessing this and you know pleading not for it to happen and it does and then we see Ed, he goes to the cabin and cries all over the corpses he's come across, feeling a rage and guilt. 
Uh, the remaining group continue getting away. They come across a small village, but are all ignored. Like Ed's father ignored Clayton in the in the opening. Yeah, it mirrors that exactly to a T. Yeah, because the the town knows the stories of yep. Pumpkinhead, and mm-hmm. you know they know like not to get involved. Like Pumpkinhead won't mess with you unless you get involved. Somehow. Yep, just stay the fuck out of his way. So, eventually, a townsman with a shotgun orders them all away. They ask to use his truck, but he tells them to get off his land. He doesn't want to shoot them. He's really nervous. Even the way he's holding the gun, it, you could tell it's a, almost like he's never held one before. and he, Or maybe he has, but he's never really pointed one at a person yeah. with the intention of, of shooting it. Because he doesn't want to do it, but he's just like, I know what this thing brings, so if I gotta do it, I'm gonna do it. Get the fuck out of here. something chasing us we just want to use your truck okay please get off my land don't make me have to shoot you please we just need your help i can't help you you folks is marked marked what do you mean marked He says, he says that they're marked. Pumpkinhead suddenly appears, and the townsman runs away. scares the shit out of him in the process. Ed then appears and begins shooting it himself. And at first, he shoots him down, but he eventually comes back after Joel approaches him and tells everyone that he's gonna, he's that he's yeah, dead. He's dead. And Pumpkinhead then kills him by impaling him with a shotgun, which is a seemingly popular '80s kill. It seems. Yeah. I feel like I've seen this shotgun impalement death happen like a few times. This Halloween Four. I, I can't remember the other one, but I know I've seen this death scene happen in various movies, especially around this time. Yeah, I feel like they're just like, all right, we're writing it like, okay, the guy's got a gun, the monster or whoever gets the gun. Well, we're not going to have Michael Myers or Pumpkinhead shoot the gun. So what, right. should, what should they do with him? Eh, pale him with the gun. There you go. I feel like that's a logical step. Um, so we have Ed. He's having another moment and is attacked in the arm by a dog. So when he's attacked by this dog in the arm, we see Pumpkinhead mirror the pain as like as if he's affected by the uh, attack as well. Yeah. Uh, there are another another hint as to what we're getting at here. Uh, so as the survivors, Chris and Kim, Kim, wait, Kim died. Wait a minute, I think I got my names mixed up. Yeah, they're all fairly disposable. I don't blame you. All right. So as the survivors, Chris and Maggie, continue to run, they eventually approach the Wallace house as Bunt is ordered to uh, bed by his dad, again, like in the beginning. Bunt then gets dressed and tells his sister to go back to sleep, but then tells her that he needs to help those people and find out if the legend is true. And he orders her to be quiet, don't tell a soul, like swear, spit in your hand and shit like that. It's disgusting. Uh, Bunt then takes him. Uh, to an old beat down church that's missing walls it's it's all old and run down and has overall seen better days so Bunt tells them about the legend of the pumpkin head demon and then pumpkin head arrives and the film is most infamous shot to me and chases them off so I've when I've always thought about this movie even 
today when I think about Pumpkinhead is that shot with the lightning, him at that door, and then as he's walking through the church and the camera pans around outside the church, but all the yeah. broke down walls, you can still see like a good glimpse of him as he's walking through the old church and the lightning and all is coming and the wind's picked up you got that lotus sound and everything like all the trademarks for this character are all in play here and to me like this is the shot that i remember most from the movie yeah it's a really cool set like with the old broken down church because the logic why they went there it's holy ground so they thought maybe pumpkin head wouldn't like uh because it, it's holy ground but yeah. then he just knocks like the cross out of the way yeah. and pretty much laughs at it he's he, like he hey, hey. exactly like uh but yeah it's it's shot really well again this goes back to it was a good choice having Stan Winston direct because I feel like he chose something like this because it has, you know, the stuff kind of in the midground of the long shot. So, you know, you have some of the rubble that can maybe cover up some of the it's things. It's all about limitations, you yeah, know, really. Because yeah, obviously it's a man in a suit and, uh, right. you know, they have puppeteers like he's on stilts. So they he shot it very well it's in this Tom, scene. It's Tom Woodruff in the suit, the guy who played. He's, he's been in the suit for a bunch of Alien films, too, as well. So... Not his first rodeo as a creature. Um, Ed goes to Mr. Wallace, but he's turned away like everyone else involved with the legend. Chris's dirt bike fails to start after Pumpkinhead removes the ch- chain. <laughs> I laughed I at love this, this scene, scene too. dude. It's so I forgot how funny this shit is. Like, so he's trying to get it started, and Pumpkinhead appears, and he's kind of like just dangling, like holding the chain, like you need this. Yeah, he's like, gotcha, bitch. He's like, forgetting this. <laughs> Because, like, you see there's other cars, like, and they're all, like, uh, Pumpkinhead fucked them all up. So, like, the only thing that's standing is his bike. That's the only thing and that looks decent. he's trying to get started. It's not starting. <laughs> then Pumpkinhead appears holding the chain, like, looking for this. Because I, I did not remember that aspect of, like, basically Pumpkinhead just, like, basically fucking laughing at him. I forgot like, <laughs> about that scene, too. Like, it kind of uh, reminds me of the scene in, in Scream when Sid's trying to lock up all the door in the, in, in the van and then goes face and she's looking for the keys. Or, no, she goes in, she's looking for the keys to, to start the car and goes face taps on the window with his knife and then he's he's holding the keys in his hand like looking for these. It reminds me of that scene a little yeah. bit. Um, so, with Crystal on the bike, he lifts it up and throws it against the tree. And then he drag he drags Chris back to Harley's house where uh Tracy, Bunt, and Ed have all taken shelter. Okay, it's not Maggie, I'm sorry. Tra- I'm getting my names fucked up. Tracy's the survivor, not Maggie. Maggie was a psychic who died earlier. Yeah. Basically the two that um of the teens that are surviving are like the less douchiest ones. They are the they're like the quietest nice. ones, exactly. And the ones that were locked in the um uh in the pantry. In the, in the pantry. Yeah. Like they're like the preppier ones of, of the group. So Pumpkinhead captures Bunt. Uh Ed stumbles out of the barn with his flamethrower, ready to attack, but is accidentally stabbed in the arm by a pitchfork. <laughs> he literally comes out of the barn and walks into a pitchfork. Like Yeah. I get why they're doing it because because after that happens you see Pumpkin Head like hold onto his shoulder like it affected him too. But it's just it's, it's a so comical. Like, yeah. It's comical because it's just like, are you really that like of a klutz? You just kind of, like, walk out and walk into a fucking, you know, pitchfork like that. I mean, whatever. That's how we... If he's got to get poked, that's how he gets poked. So be it. Um, so both Ed and Pumpkinhead... Pumpkinhead, yeah. They, they cry out in pain. Then Pumpkinhead releases Bunt. Ed notices that Pumpkinhead's head is turning more, like, himself. Yeah. And 
this is another feature I love about this design is like the more he's in it, he's because we what we know is that after this is all runs its process, Ed eventually becomes Pumpkinhead, and this is the first that we're seeing because his face pretty much resembles Lance Hendrickson's at this point for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And actually, the more and more it goes on, it actually gets more and more detailed, you know, before he dies, ultimately. So, um, it's like, Ed himself is more like a, a monster. They're switching forms, essentially. Yeah, do you think if uh, they didn't die, like, do you think eventually Pumpkinhead would just turn into Lance Hendrickson and, and just start running the store? That, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> like, they just switch? Ain't got no gas. <laughs> so he realizes that he and Pumpkinhead are one, and the only way for Ed to kill the monster is to die himself. So Pumpkinhead, in the meantime, he's grabbing Tracy by the neck, but before he can kill her, we see Ed shoot himself in the head. Pumpkinhead momentarily collapses to the ground, but then grabs Bunt again. Tracy takes the gun, and Ed begs her to finish him off. And Ed, who's now... Um, just pretty much a turn he appears to menace tracy and she shoots him until both he and Pumpkinhead fall to the ground dead Tracy, Bunt, and Chris then watch as Pumpkinhead bursts into flames. And then later that night, right before the film ends, the witch buries Ed in Pumpkinhead's grave, ready for the next person seeking vengeance and still wearing the necklace that his son yeah. Billy made for him. That's that's the, the telltale sign that this is Ed Harley now being buried as the, yeah. new, as the new Pumpkinhead. It's not because he's super, wearing that pennant. Yeah, it's not super clear until you see the uh, necklace that his son made. But I also want to say, like, I just laughed a little bit. Lance Hendricks shot himself in the head, and it's not like he shot himself and missed. Like, you clearly see the bullet hole in the temple of his head, and he it just... kind of, like, nicks himself, though. He, he can't even fucking shoot himself in the head, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just found He's that walking in the pitchforks, fucking up suicide. Like, what can you do right, Lance? I just found that <laughs> a little silly. Like, how right, can you not right. shoot yourself in the head and succeed? Like, <laughs> put the barrel in your mouth. Yeah. Make sure it gets done. I know they did a fake out for a reason, but like... Yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, and that is it. That is Pumpkinhead from 1988 and Stan Winston. So how did we get here? This sketch. How did we get here? I led you here, sir, for I am Spartacus. So Pumpkinhead was inspired by a poem from Ed Justin. The Delarinitis Entertainment Group sent Stan Winston the script, only expecting him to do the creature effects, but in Winston instead saw in the project as an opportunity to make it his directorial debut. Given Winston was then busy refining the story, he gave free reigns uh, of the design to artists Alan Gillis, Shane Mahan, uh, Mahan, 
uh, John Rosengrant and Tom Woodruff Jr., the last of whom also wore the pumpkin head suit. I explained that during the plot breakdown. Yeah. Winston's experience regarding creature work enabled the effects not to use too much film. I'm sorry, not to use too much of the limited $3 million budget. Filming took place in Los Angeles, California. What gave it away to us? I knew that already. You knew that already. Yeah. That's where the cabin's located. Right. That's used in every Hollywood production, it seems. Um, so box office receipts. In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250,000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. Let's talk about how it did financially, shall we? It was a, This film got two releases. So it was initially released October 14th, 1988, where it came out in 351 screens. Not a lot. No, not a lot at it all. It opened up. Even f- by then, standards. That's no. Not opened up in 13th place, $686,567. Second weekend, $376,306. Dropping to number 15. It suffered a 45.2% drop off. And then it got re-released in January. January 13th, Friday the 13th. It got re-released in 89 from, to 142 screens. All in all, the film grossed $4.4 million against a $3.5 million budget. Yeah, so this movie definitely made its money on video. On yeah, video it, it broke even on, TV if rights. anything, TV rights, syndication, video, um as far as uh, theatrical success, not a lot. It basically just broke even. Like I said, uh, that is why the sequel in 1994, Pumpkinhead 2 Blood Wings, was direct to video. I hate that fucking title. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I've well, if you watch the film, there's a reason it's called Blood I, Wings. I know why. I've seen that okay. one. That's okay. the only sequel I've seen. I haven't seen the other sequels. Same. I've never seen three or four. I've only seen part two in this. Um, But... Yeah, I, I just never, I don't know. It just sounds silly to me. Because part like, two has Andrew Robinson from uh, Hellraiser, and he was the the, the, the hair-obsessed uh, guy from Barber from Child's Play 3. Oh, okay. Uh, he was also in um, Cobra, and he was the killer in Dirty Harry. Presto, you're yeah, bald. Ba- yeah, presto, you're bald. The, the fucking weirdo who keeps the photos of all of these people that he shaves his heads off. Um, funny tidbit, though, for the sequel, you know there was a video game, right? For the sequel, Blood Wings. No shit. A video game made by EA. It was a first-person shooter. Get the shooter. fuck out of here. I'm looking this yeah. up right now. No way. I played it back in the day. So a friend you of- played it? I played it. A friend of mine- What was um, it? A Nintendo game or something? No, I, I I could be remembered incorrectly, but I think I'll it was- I'm looking a, it up, brother. I think it was a PC game, if I remember correctly. Um, It was a friend there of mine- There it is. Blood Wings, Pumpkinhead's Revenge, a PC game. Yep, yep. it was a PC game. 1995. I remember. First-person shooter. I was um, friends with a kid. Uh, I, I'm sure he's probably not listening, but shout out to uh, Joshua Bass. Um, he was a friend of mine from school. He was really into computers. He had this game, and we played it because I was a fan of Pumpkinhead. I was like, wow, there's a game? Because this was years after it came out. <clears throat> and I remember playing it, and it's just this weird first-person shooter. It has FMV, like, full-motion video of, like, Pumpkinhead yeah. interspersed throughout the game. Yeah. It is just odd. It was a terrible game. It was odd. It didn't make any sense. We so didn't know how to play it. It was it, it, it was labeled a Doom ripoff. It, PC Gamer gave it a 46%. Computer Game Review gave it a 60, a 59, and a 50. Um, Entertainment Weekly gave it a C... 
reviews just weren't that great. No, it wasn't a good game. It was just, you could tell it was uh, just, everything was a Doom mm-hmm. clone back then. It was rated T for teen. Yeah, <laughs> everything was a Doom clone back then. A first-person shooter it was just terrible thrown together just to have scenes with Pumpkinhead in it. But I remember at the end there was like, you could see Pumpkinhead dancing. It was like an Easter egg of the game. Stop. Like literally, uh, I'm like, being like dead him on serious. set, like a guy on set in the suit dancing like, on, on yes, in between like, shots. Yes, okay. like it, it was like an that's Easter funny. egg. That's funny. Okay, that's funny. And that I can always, see Woodruff doing something like that because I do believe he came back for the sequel. Yeah, it was just like an Easter egg, and it was like I remember. I'm like, why the fuck is Pumpkinhead dancing right now? Like. I, I don't know, it was just odd. I just have vague memories of uh playing that game. Like, he's like, you got to check this out. Like, because he, he knew I was into horror, and he's like, you know Pumpkinhead? I'm like, fuck yeah, I know Pumpkinhead. Let's play the game. I'm like, there's a fucking game? Like, <laughs> you just wouldn't think, like, your Freddy Jason makes sense. There was games, but Pumpkinhead, I was, I was surprised. But I had to mention it. Even though it was for the sequel, I had to mention it, because it was just so out of left field. Uh, and such an odd experience playing it because I was never a big PC gamer. <laughs> that is so strange. Wow. The more you know. All right. Critics Corner. Let's see what they all had to say about the film. Alright, so currently on Rotten Tomatoes, Pumpkinhead's got a 65% based on 23 reviews, consensus reading with effects work and solid direction from Stan Winston and Lance Hendrickson adding welcome gravitas. Pumpkinhead is a creature feature that stands a cut above. Uh, Dave Kerr of the Chicago Tribune wrote, as a technician, Winston clearly knows how to make a monster, but as a director, he's yet to learn how to bring one to life. I disagree with that. Me too. Richard Harrington of the Washington Post wrote that the film has poor rating and acting, but it's surprisingly polished. Uh, it, it is surprisingly polished for a B movie. Yeah, I agree with LA that. LA Times uh, wrote, despite its poor rating, the premise is interesting, but it's not executed as well as Forbidden Planet. Empire gave it two out of five stars and called it a Friday the 13th clone with little atmosphere and no surprises. TV Guide gave it the same two out of five and wrote that the second that the film's second half becomes tedious because of its overdone slasher formula. In a 92 retrospective, uh, John Nalick of the LA Times described it as a well-executed film in a genre that is littered with dim-witted slasher flicks. Bloody Disgusting gave it four out of five stars and called it a gothic story of love, loss, vengeance, and redemption. Dread Central gave it four, and a fi- four out of five as well and wrote... That the film stands as a timeless dark fairy tale. That's how I look at it as. I, I timeless look at it dark too. fairy tale. A morality thing. And it's funny they're saying slasher because, like, I can see how you can compare it to a slasher, but to me, it's been a creature feature. Like, I don't yeah, necessarily. It's not a think slasher. Of, I've never saw it that way either. I don't no. think a pumpkin head in the vein of, like, Jason or Freddy no. or Michael Myers. Because you I can't. Think of them as they're not a, creatures. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just never really thought of that. I never made that comparison. Like, yeah, there is a body count. Yeah, he kills people. But it's, uh you know, I think what you said is right. It's a morality. And it's about the creature. I don't know. I never, I don't know why somebody said Friday the 13th. Maybe they saw the cabin. They're like, oh, this is like Friday the 13th. Maybe that's why. I don't know. 
Looks like that cabin where Jason broke through the door and got half his head sliced with the machete. Hmm. Anyway, let's jump over to biggest takeaways. Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So after watching this, I immediately wrote the, uh, the following down. No question, this film definitely still holds up. That's number one. Oh, yeah. Number two, old school horror with old school effects makeup. Love it. Three, the play on vengeance has always been something I've appreciated about the film. The cinematography is a bit rough in some spots, but all in all, I'm a big fan of it, especially whenever we're in the old witch's shack. And then my final big takeaway from this movie, it's an obvious one. Two words, Lance Hendrickson. So that's, yeah, that's what I took from it. I mean, it's like we just kind of described it as well, uh, jumping into this as a creature feature and it's done right. It's kind of like the old school B flick, you know, run amok creature design, going after a bunch of innocent, well, not so innocent, but, you know, bypassers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, other than a few of the kids, they really didn't deserve what they got. You know, no, like they're not all bad. But like every horror movie, wrong place, wrong time. Yep. So, how about you? You got anything you want to uh, talk about? Yeah. So, um, I think the movie holds up fairly well. Now, uh, you know, as a young 15-year-old that wasn't around during this time, gonna probably pick this up and think it's, like, the best. No, but I think if you're around our age, or, you know, if you grew up around this time, I think it's very charming and nostalgic, uh, you know. Horror around this time wasn't in the greatest place in the late 80s, early 90s. Nobody's going to say that's the glory days of horror. It wasn't. Not that time. No, not at all. But that's when we grew and up. And I mentioned that in the Scream episode. About yeah. how that's kind of like when horror died. All the icons were making less and less money for their sequels. And then the 90s came and nothing until like 96. Yeah, Scream. So, uh, you know, it wasn't the best time. But this is definitely a gem that uh, stands out for anybody that is our age and will look back even if you don't have memories of this movie i think you could watch it and get that charm of the time um you know it, it's it's a good solid b movie i mean i think it's elevated above the rest because like you said lance henderson he makes this movie the teenagers are terrible you know i remember at the opening one of them does like a it's like a rocky voice like i didn't even make any sense yeah. he's like you never know what's out there yo like, that's the joel guy yeah it's probably supposed to be stallone but it's like a rocky voice. like what does rocky <laughs> have to fucking do with this shit like i don't know that just always stood out to me but uh the teens are terrible you don't care about them but what sells the movie is lance hendrickson and his son maybe it's because i'm a dad now but you know just in those few scenes i really felt for him and he really sold it I think without him, this would just be another movie that, you know, maybe might be a guilty pleasure or something like that. But I, he elevates it. Lance Hendrickson, he's great. I, you know, I loved him as Bishop in the Aliens movies. Uh, you know, he's fantastic in this. Uh, you know, uh, I think he definitely is the biggest, uh, other than the effects, the biggest selling point of this movie. Yeah. All right. Mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again. Would you make the same choices? Nothing. It's, it's one of the best popcorn creature features of the '80s, and I ain't got a damn thing to pick on that, to pick a part of that. I really don't. I, there's 
nothing I want to pick apart at this movie, honestly. It, it, it's, it's, it's stood the test of time the last 33 years for a reason. Holds up greatly. Solid, solid, solid effects work. Um, let's be real. We don't watch these films for the acting, so take take that for what it is. Although Lance Henriksen, it's just, he's a fucking charm. He is a saint. Um, and that's, there's not much I could, would change about this. Um, it, it's fine the way it is. I'm, I'm happy with what this movie is. It's got the, uh, cinematography, the score, things we talked about that I love. The it's it's got good pacing. It's right under that ninety minute mark, so you're looking at about a buck twenty as far as time without credits, and uh, which is just the perfect amount of time for a movie of this capacity. And so, if I was told to change something, I'd be like, nah, it's good the way it is. Yeah. So. You know, if you're asking me, I probably wouldn't change anything either. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, one thing I miss is just the runtime on movies. Like, you know, for a creature movie like this, I think like 80 to 90 minutes is perfect. I think nowadays yep. stuff just gets so overblown. Like, it seems like every movie is like at least an hour 45 or hour 50 minutes nowadays. I just I like going back and watching something that's a little bit older. It's just a quick easy uh sit to get through it and get uh thrown back into the late 80s early 90s um but i really wouldn't change anything i mean if i really had to pick something i would have liked a little bit more scenes between um lance and his son i think it was just done very well uh and i really enjoyed those parts so i would have like maybe like an extra scene or something with them if i was gonna pick give him a few more minutes to build up that relationship yeah yeah that would maybe be the only thing but honestly it was enough in the movie for me to care about him and his son and you know i love the runtime of the movie so you know i probably wouldn't change it for all its uh charm anyway but if i had to pick something that might be the only thing if i had to pick you bring up a good point if i had to pick something like ed you can't give up the answer you just gave pick something okay you're making me pick something we don't know anything about this this ex-wife or, or, or deceased wife, um, Billy's mother. We know nothing about her. We see Ed go to her grave to pretty much let her, you know, body or soul or whatever know, like, this is what happened to our boy. He's being buried next to you, and I got a demon who's going to fuck people up for him. So, yeah. and But we know nothing about this woman at yeah, all. She's never brought up. There's never a moment where she's like, he, you know looks up to the sky and says something to her, her soul or her spirit or whatever. Like we get nothing. It's just that little glimpse of the tombstone while he's burying Billy next to her and him saying, got to do something for our son. And that's pretty much it. We know nothing about her one way or another. And you know, it, like I said, that would build, that would bulk up that 90 minutes. So yeah, you got to give and take a little bit. So I understand why it's not there. It's not really necessary. It's not needed, but hey, man, if you're making me pick something, I'm picking that. Yeah, but they wanted to keep the runtime short. But there was one thing I did notice when he went to the grave site for his wife. She must have passed right as the kid was born because I think it's at 78 on it when she passed. And this movie was shot in 88 or uh, yeah. 87 or whenever 88. it was done. So the wife must have passed when the kid was either just born or a baby. So that was a little tidbit I, I got out of it just from seeing the gravestone. But you're right. There is no, they don't talk about the wife at all. No. All right. Finger looking good. 
finger licking good. Maggie's death. It's the highlight for me. It's it's so. I w- I don't want to say iconic, but it's one of the most popular scenes of the movie as far as um horror fans go. I mean, it was so popular that this was actually the one sheet for the movie originally was the image of his claw scrape, scratching her face while she's looking up and screaming. Like the, it's like the, the view of her face down here, his claw up here, and she's screaming while he's, you know, kind of doing her, doing this to her face. That was actually the one sheet originally for the movie before they did the, uh, the, what they came up with now. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I've always liked, like you said, like fucking treat it like a rag doll and shit. And I don't know. I think it's the, the the best death of the movie, in my opinion. So, yeah. So mine is uh, Pumpkinhead's entrance at the church scene. Uh, like you said, I think it's definitely one of the most iconic uh, shots in the movie. Of him coming in, just the way the lighting, just the way uh, everything is like backlit. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. one sheet. Yep. It makes sense. Uh, but just the way the church scene is backlit uh, with the lighting and the fog and the old, um, uh, just basically church that is in ruins and then pumpkin head in full view right there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's always um, been my favorite part is when he walks in there uh, and basically just laughs. It's like, hey, you fuckers think you were safe. <laughs> He's like, I'm coming for you. Uh, I just always like that. It just always stood out to me. I'll never forget. Like, you know, I'll never uh, forget Pumpkinhead's uh, design. Like, that'll always stick yeah, with me. It's iconic. Um, and then, uh, just an honorable mention, I love the scenes with Lance Henderson and the witch, too. Just yeah. the, She's definitely yeah. hamming it up, uh, and he is a little bit, too, but uh, yeah, little, they're, just, yeah. they're, they're uh, good scenes. I I, I, I was uh, taken yeah, aback have, a little they bit. They have good chemistry. Yeah, I was taken aback a little bit when I was rewatching this because that part didn't really stick out to me uh, in previous viewings. But uh, upon rewatching, I really liked, you know, like the the scenes with them, too. I thought it was really well yeah. done. All right. Final thoughts. I say we uh, tie a bow on it and put her to bed. Uh, look, they call this a grim fairy tale for a reason. It is just that it is the kind of movie that we don't often get. So when we do get them, it's um, it means something, and it's it's something that you should definitely um, anticipate. The movie is itself, like I said, is iconic. It's something that I've been watching, or we've been watching, you know, since it first came out. Um, they don't make movies like this no more. They they really don't. No, they would do not make horror films like this anymore. And if they did, like you just said, took the words right out of my mouth. CG, unfortunately. Um, which is a damn shame, but hey, for a film that's helmed by Stan Winston, who's often behind this lens doing different work, like he's creating the monsters and not filming them or directing them, uh, this, uh, it's a good transformation. I, I think he did a good job, all things considered. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's not the best script in the world, but the movie overall, it holds up um, and, I love it just for many reasons, reasons that we, you know, talked about throughout this episode today. And I just think that, um, there's a reason I wanted to do this for Halloween. Uh, I just think it's got the the right feel and the whole pumpkin aspect. This is like, all right, it's a no brainer. Uh, so yeah, guys, if you're listening to this today on the day it's released Halloween, um, if you're able to 
throw on Pumpkinhead tonight. You know, give it a shot. Uh, whether it's your first or 50th time, doesn't matter. It's a damn good film, and you would agree too if you're listening to this episode. Still, um, yeah, it's just it's so good. It's it's one of the best of the '80s. It really is. It's up there. It's it's high tier, you know, uh, genre for the '80s. So yeah, you. Yeah. So um, you know, I have a lot of similar uh, sentiments as uh, you did. I mean, you know, Pumpkinhead isn't. Uh, you know, like an A-class horror movie, like a casual person, they're going to know Freddy, they're going to know Jason or Michael Myers. You know, Pumpkinhead's definitely a tear down, and I guess that's why it's always been a little special to me. It's been, you know, it's like a B-cult movie, and it's just always one that's kind of stuck with me. Um, You know, I know it's technically came out in the 80s, but to me it was always like the early 90s, because that's really when I saw that on its home video and HBO release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll always remember it as like the early 90s of just being a good uh, B-movie around a time where there wasn't a whole lot of good stuff. I mean, back mm-hmm. then... You know, even as a kid, I remember thinking, wow, a lot of this is shit, you know, because like big budget horror movies just weren't happening. But, uh, you know, this was a good uh, low budget one. Um, you know, it 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 just always uh, sticks with me and would be special. And I just always like the name Pumpkinhead because it does just sound it's, it's like a cool name. It's just a, it's a fitting name for the creature. And also it's just it's something I could see like being a tale in my neighborhood. Like, uh, you better be good or Pumpkinhead's gonna come get you. <laughs> it's just, like, the story at the beginning. I could just easily see, like, our group of friends back in the day uh, talking about, like, an urban legend or a myth, Pumpkinhead. Because originally, I think the script or the movie was gonna be called, like, Demon the Vengeance or something like that. Like, just something very Ven- generic. Vengeance the Demon, Vengeance I think. the Demon, yeah. It was just something very generic that I don't think would have suited the movie. I mean, I mean, it makes sense for the movie, but I don't think... It would have been nearly as charming too, as Pumpkinhead. I think, it's, I think calling the creature vengeance is a little much. Yeah. It's like, all right, you're really just beating that vengeance theme with the stick a little bit too much. Yeah, it would be like calling Jason, like, hockey mask killer. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it just doesn't have... Or Chucky killer doll, you know? Yeah, it just... Like, Pumpkinhead, I've just always liked the name, and I just always liked the... You know, like, they were telling the story at the beginning. I, it just really stood out to me. Um... Yeah, so this one will just always have a special place in my heart, especially when I could talk about it and introduce it to somebody that doesn't know what it is. Because, you know, I'm right. a, uh, we're exactly. horror hounds. You know, we, we know all this stuff. But uh, your general public, like I said, probably isn't going to know this movie. Or they might know Lance Hendrickson from, like, Aliens or something like that. But it, it, it's just, a, you know, something cool that uh, sometimes you can bring up and show people that, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily know about. But- all right, so this episode is sponsored by the 2022 Yamaha Z450 FX. Whether cutting through tight technical trails or blazing across the wide open desert, the class-defining Z450 FX takes off-road performance to new levels and lets you have total control so you don't run over any six-year-old boys and have their fathers summon any evil demons to come after you and your friends. Be smart, drive, Yamaha smart. <laughs> this is not a true sponsorship, but rather a funny bit that ties into the film we've been discussing. There won't be any need to send in the suits. We really do love pulling legs on this show. All that being said, this film definitely gets the film effect seal of approval, and that will bring things home for this edition of the show. One down, many more to follow. If you enjoyed this episode and will 
want to continue to support the show, then please do so by leaving a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever accessible because it helps with the algorithm and it helps us grow so more and more can check us out. While you're at it, check out the website, podpage.com. You're going to find our ever-growing collection of previous episodes. While you're at it, buy some merch, tpublic.com slash user slash film effect podcast. Got a whole array of different things across different designs. And uh, yeah, so do that while you're at it too. Uh, coming up, we are actually taking the next week off. This is a Sunday release tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not fighting to get an episode out tomorrow. <laughs> I'm taking the rest of this week off. I think I deserve it. It's been a busy month. Yeah, yeah. it has. It has to do two, sometimes three a week. Because um, obviously, like Sean and I, and uh, I know Justin was involved too, yeah. have been kind of tag teaming it, but you're obviously on every episode. So yeah, I, <laughs> I, I can't imagine. It's a lot of work. Yeah, balancing that between a full-time job and everything. It's uh. I love doing it, so you know I don't, I don't mind it, but I do want to take a little break this week. Um, and, and besides, November first, it's like the most depressing day of the year for me. So I, I don't want to worry about you know a podcast or putting out new material. I just want to like gloat to myself because Halloween's over and I have one more year to go until it returns. Yeah, I mean you could be ready for Christmas. I mean they already got Christmas stuff out of the stores. Listen yeah. to the Nightbreed episode. I go <laughs> off on that one. Yeah, actually, I haven't listened to it yet. I go off on that rant. So, yeah, that's already been had. So, yeah, we're going to be coming back, though, on the 8th next Monday. We're going to be – um. I kind of tweet the episode. I had it in the schedule for Collateral to come back as. I'm going to push that to the last uh, episode of the month because when we come back, I want to talk training day of uh, an episode that – you gang, you all voted on on our Twitter page um, for last month, and um, to my surprise, I, I, you know, you guys picked it. I, I, I gave you four selections for two thousand one movies, and of of the four, Training Day got an overwhelming reception and an overall vote. Um, just destroyed it compared to the other three yeah i voted for it <clears throat> and so we're gonna be talking about it because i love training day and um i'm actually kind of excited to revisit it because i haven't watched it in about four or five years so uh hey man king kong ain't got shit on me but i know one thing so yeah um once again, Corey, thanks for being on here with me for this episode. Yeah, it was cool because I was there for the first episode of the Harathon and, uh, and subsequent episodes, but now I'm also closing it, so it was really you're neat being help, on both. You're going to help wrap it up, too. So, yeah, guys, um, it's Halloween, so go enjoy your days. Go give out candy or get candy, whatever, you know. If haunted houses are opening, go to you know, a fun haunted house. Yeah, um, everybody has their own, uh, you know, tradition on Halloween. So Watch a horror movie. Who knows? If you want a suggestion, Pumpkinhead. Throw that on. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on AMC. Halloween, Trick or Treat, Pumpkinhead. There's so many movies you can let, you can choose from. But um, it's Halloween, so enjoy this. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, because it only happens once a year. And uh, we're going to get out of here, because we got prep to do for Halloween ourselves. And uh, until then... Um, something about theater lights going dim, curtain lights, uh, cur- <laughs> curtains. So the credits dim and the, credits are and the lights roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Corey. I'm Ed. It's been fun, but now it's done. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, guys. Be safe. <laughs>